Hello everyone, I hope you are keeping well. Welcome to another episode of the Middle Age Gaming Podcast, the number one show where we talk about games, gaming philosophy, predictions, and pretty much everything under the sun. Your hosts are Adam, Crean, Antoine, and Phil. Pretty much whoever can be there for the show because as you know, middle-aged gamers are busy. We have family, commitments, work, and so many other things. Enough said, let's get on with the show. Good morning and evening, everyone. I hope you are having a fantastic start of your week. It's, it's middle of the week. It's hump day, right? So I hope everything's going well and the market's red or green or whatever color it is in your respective country is, is not making you down too much. So we're back with another episode. We're going to talk about games today, what we're playing very briefly. Then we get into our topic today. We're talking about game industry and development and how things have changed since we were kids in the 80s to now. And again, none of us are game developers. We might know people who are in game development, but we've all, I would say, pretty fairly well read and respectively Europe, Canada, America, Taiwan, that sort of stuff. So we'll be able to give you some at least historical insight into what's going on. But before we get into all the technical stuff or maybe sort of personal stuff, Antoine, what have you been playing recently? Oh, big surprise. I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West, of course. We did a special episode with Adam because this is a fantastic game and uh, I'm not even half of the game. I already played 50 hours or so. I'm going to be there for another good 50 hours until I'm uh, completely uh, 50, 100% of the game and platinum and I really love it. Oh my God. And since, yeah, and since I can't play anything else, what I work sometimes, uh, I'm starting to watch some stream, um, streaming about Elden, Elden Ring because I wouldn't play it. It's too hard for this uh, for me, this kind of stuff. But at least I like to, to watch it and it seems nice. In Forbidden Horizon Forbidden West. I'd have to check my save file. I don't know. 40 something, maybe? It's about the same. I just realized Every... like Anton's like a French duplicate of you. Oh, I got a different hair color. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I'm like, oh my god, that just sounds just like Adam. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. I do that only for the games that I really like. Uh, I did it only on Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Last of Us. So that's, you know, a very limited club. Okay. So, Antoine, how are you finding the game after 50 hours? It's fantastic. Honestly, it's uh, it's really cool. They added lots of little stuff to, uh, I think, and then a bit artificially the, the life of the game no you have I honestly haven't played the first one in a while but i don't think there was uh, the chess game in the machine strike there wasn't the the races the complete races there wasn't uh, how much the, the all the stuff to collect the black box metal flowers sunken caverns there's so many things to do in this world you have to save the world you only have four months yeah but this list of stuff to do next to it. Just to wait for me. So, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And all I, I don't think it's a spoiler because Adam, I already passed this uh, this stage. But the base, you have a base which each time you you reach a center point in the story, you can see it evolve with people moving in and all. And ah, like, oh, that's so great! I love this. And you can unlock new part of the base. The more you continue. And I really love this, this part. That, that's this is not base building because you can build really your base, but you see it evolve. You know, and I really like this aspect of the game with your team building up as well. So Adam, I mean, you've only been playing this as well. You want to add something onto that? Yeah, no, I think it's a, a lot of. I'm definitely having a lot of fun with it. I've and I've discovered some really interesting kind of bugs, but they're still fun. What bugs have you discovered? For instance, there's a swimming enemy. And I was fighting it, and there's a platform, and the platform's surrounded by water, and you can go under the platform. And so you're, it's a boss fight. You're supposed to be engaged the whole time. I'm playing a stealth build, so I went under the platform to hide, and the enemy disengaged from combat because it couldn't see me anymore, so it thought I was gone. And then when I got back up on the platform, it tried to get to me, but it ended up swimming into the air and it was doing this like swimming animation in the <laughs> air and it's like flying around doing this like swimming animation, which means it can't attack me because I can't really attack in the water. But yeah, it was just kind of, it was just a fun fight. I ended up dying actually because the way it's always facing you in that mode and I wanted to get its tail. So I had to knock something off its tail. So I ended up going back into the water, coaxing it back into the water and then getting back out and it reset it. And then I ended up dying, but I got a video of it. So it's fun to watch. 
Um, oh, and by the way, do you remember your bandit leader bug? I know it's not a bug anymore, actually. It's not? It's supposed to be that way? No. It's supposed to be that way. You need to kill the bandit leader and loot him. And once you loot him, you leave the area, you don't have to kill anyone and the kinds of people... Oh, that... Leave. The issue is that I killed the bandit leader, but then I died prior to looting the body. As then it doesn't count. You need to loot the body. I know. So now I can't loot the body. So now the... But the quest oh. still says... So the quest still has an icon that says, kill the bandit leader. And it tells me where he's ah. supposed to be, and I go there, and there's nobody there, and there's no body there, so I can't loot the body, so I can't complete the quest. That's so how do you fix that? You wait for a patch. But of patches already. There are two so far, oh. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't find that many bugs anymore. I'm not clipping through rolls anymore. Oh no, so I'm Adam finding tons of bugs, but they're right? fun. But I, I do a lot of things that you're not supposed to do. I've discovered that Aloy <laughs> too, is part mountain goat because you can basically just hop up the side of a shit <laughs> cliff. <laughs> That's exactly what the one thing coach. She makes me think. I think her, her, she's a descendant of the horse from Skyrim. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like a reincarnation of it or something. Yeah. So, Anton, what is your build if Adam's doing a stealth build? Multi, multi style. I, I start stealth and then I'm like, okay, they are too close for me to be stealth. Take out the spear and. Uh, Go. Well, there's this kind of throwing spike, so I'm just staying about mid range, so they can't really shoot me, and I shoot the, the spike into them, which drill into them and made the, the parts flew, flew out and weaken them, weaken them, and then I shoot them with the blow, the the explosion spike. It's fun, and uh, try to trap man, trap, put a lot of trap. I like traps, so they they come to me. Ah, Maybe you, you never played it, but if you want, when you scan a machine, you can see his path. You can see his path, so you can uh, you can put traps ahead of time and just stay, sit, and look at it. Look for you, can't see anything, restart. And he's going to take as many traps as you put, and you just enjoy, take your popcorn. Like, Go ahead, I'm watching. You're a big bad guy, <laughs> and you're so stupid. Yeah, I've gotten in the habit of hacking machines and making them fight each other. That's what I'm doing now. I love as well the fact that compared to the first one on hacking machines, you can download incomplete hacking patterns and you need to find extra resource in the wild to complete the pattern. I also like you can set them to so, defensive or offensive now. Exactly. For Korean, you can hack machine with your with your stick, with your spear, and uh, it's going to be on your side and start attacking all the other, other machines around. I cool. didn't find it yet, but in the first game, I'm just going to arrive. There was a, the Mad Arrow or Berserk, I don't remember. You shoot machine and he goes Berserk and start attacking everything around. That was very fun. I loved doing this in the first game. Yeah, they changed that. In the first game, you had corruption arrows. But the thing Cor was, the only way to get corruption was you had to have Metal Cor Burn, which was really hard to find because you can only get it off of corruptors, which are limited mm -hmm. in the game. But in this one, you have uh, certain bows. They have what are called berserk arrows, and you just shoot them with those, mm -hmm. and then they'll go crazy. Yeah, so it's mm -hmm. a lot cool. easier, a lot more accessible in this one. But you got to build it up. Yeah, and uh, if you let us go like this, huh, we're gonna talk about I'm Horizon talk about for an hour. Right? <laughs> just, just telling you, uh, stop us when you want. Huh? I, I, I believe me, I, I have the time in my bottom right-hand corner. So I was like, okay, I know mentally speaking, at ten twenty a.m. our time, we will move on to the topic or something like that. <laughs> and what have uh, you been playing? So I've been playing, I, I finished the 100 floors of Ascending and Killing in the Division, so I was like, oh, I want to play something else. I tried a, a roguelite game called Dungeon Keeper on on Steam. That was pretty, pretty cool. cool. I thought it wasn't a roguelite, and when I played it, I'm like, oh my god. The, the computers like leveled me after like 30 minutes. They were higher level than my guys. I'm like, oh god. And then I'm like, oh, this is a roguelike. Oh no. <laughs> and then I immediately stopped playing that, and I tried Wasteland 3, and I was telling you guys about it before the show. Very cool, very, looks really nice. I love XCOM style games. So it's very interesting, but I love, in like, unlike an XCOM, right? There's basically the only way to finish a mission is kill everybody. But in like Wasteland 3, there's definitely ways where you can avoid combat and the environment will do help you out or there's other solutions in order to scenarios. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to be playing it today, later. And nice, definitely worth it if, if you have thought about picking it up. There's lots of story for people who like story about the, the after the post-apocalyptic world, nuclear war and Arizona, because we're in Arizona for some reason. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to playing it. And then 
after that, as you guys have been talking, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. I want to get the Uncharted series when it comes out this month or next month. But don't watch the movie, please. No need. All right, guys. So we should be talking about game dev or game dev story, which was, was the title of uh, today's episode. Adam, uh, you're up first. What are your thoughts on game development? Briefly speaking, in three, three to four minutes. I think it's getting kind of. It's. It, I think it's splitting in two different directions because traditionally you would have, say, a team of just a few people, maybe a dozen or so, and then they would make the original Mario game, and you could create a new game once every year, and and you could get these development cycles. But now we're going in two directions. It's like the TV cell phone thing where screens are simultaneously getting bigger and smaller, but not staying in the middle as much. Because you have these huge development teams. I don't remember. I think was it Final Fantasy 15 or something like that? Had 500 people or something. You're getting teams of like 500 people on some of these games. And other times you have indie devs that have three guys making their own game. It's You're getting these really big developed games. But at the same time, you're getting your average schmo can make a game. Look at uh, Stardew Valley, for example where the guy just kind of makes it in his spare time. But I feel that it's in kind of a weird place, because especially with the big devs, there's a lot of pressure to release a game on time. And obviously we have the crunch culture, which is, that's across tech, all of tech. It's not just a video game thing. But that was one thing that when I was in university and, and studying, because I studied computer science, that was one thing that our, our professors would always tell us was, you guys when th this job is, is brutal where sometimes you're going to be at your office 24 hours a day seven days a week you'll bring a sleeping bag into the office and you'll sleep under your desk and that's just the reality of it and you're going to do that for almost three months or so sometimes where you only go home one day a week or something like that but then after a product launches you'll have four week you know you'll have four months of nothing to do and so you're constantly going between Pretty typical work week, crunch time, off time. And so you don't have a consistent work schedule in a way. Because especially as deadlines draw close. And a lot of games now are getting delayed. So I don't know if that's affecting crunch time where it's just a longer crunch time now. Where it's like, oh, we're delaying the game. But then we're not, it's not actually easing up on the developers. It's just means that they're going to be working for an, the same... I know there have been some controversies, like, for example, at CD Projekt Red and that sort of thing with uh, the crunch culture and all that. But at the same time, it's a weird thing because obviously players expect their games to be released on time. And I mean, this is just that's the way it has to be done. The only other option is just to not give release dates at all and just say well, the game's coming and just be patient and then it'll be ready when it's ready. But I don't think uh, I don't think that's really viable for a couple of reasons one i don't feel like gamers themselves are the most understanding group of people <laughs> uh, and i don't think they'd be very happy with just saying like it's coming just wait but also i think as far as marketing goes like the marketing team needs to know when a game's coming out so they they can work accordingly if you're telling the marketing team it'll be ready when it's ready they only have a few weeks from when you're done to when it's releasing so they don't have enough time to prepare but if you don't give them a time, the alternative is they prepare way too early. They get a lot of hype and then it just, all news of it dies because progress is still far out. So I think there's just more, I think it's more than just the gamers putting pressure on them. I think it's just marketing and all that as well. And then a lot of games now are going into, what do you call it? Not pre-release, but uh, early access. Yeah, so a lot of games now are going into early access where you pay for the game and or you pay for the beta, and then, uh, yeah, so my take on it. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion. I just think that's the way it is. <laughs> sure. Antoine, what do you think? What's your so, experience? Yeah, I don't have much experience in there, but let's just uh, take a step back. I originally proposed this sim because every gamer is when they're a kid. I'm sure it was the same for you. When you're a kid and you are a gamer and you love games, you are thinking, when I'm a grown-up, I want to make video games. And that's a lofty goal and everything. Honestly, I'm not here to destroy your dreams. I'm not here for that. <laughs> I just want to put into context that playing games and making games 
two uh, very different things. For instance, one of my friends was like me, gamers, he wanted to plan to play in a, to to go into the gaming industry. And as part of uh, we business school and as part of our courses, we needed to do six months abroad. And he ended up working at Blizzard in Cork uh, in Ireland for as a tester. And uh, he didn't like the experience at all. I don't know how Blizzard treated his employees, but he was telling me that it's not the best experience of, uh, of his life. And uh, after a few months, I said, ah, that's it. I'm, I'm quitting this. Just, it's just not for me. So I just want to put this into context. If you want to go into the game industry, know what you're into. Right now, and I read a few articles about it, we always say, at least lately, I, I don't know if it was the same uh, 20 years ago, but lately we say gaming industry, working in the gaming industry is toxic, it's terrible, even more so for women. And it's very much actuality here because Montreal, and in Montreal we have plenty of studios. Hados, Ubisoft, Bethesda, etc. Et There's plenty of them here. So... We can hear it or read it in the papers pretty often. And there was a lady who was a developer or a programmer, sorry. And she was, first of all, if you're not working for AAA, so the AAA is the Marvel industry of, you know, the industry. Obviously, because they don't want to take risks with the license. They want to make money. Why? Because if you're a mid-size or small indie studio, doing a game which doesn't work, means your studio's dead. So the actual job security is not good unless you're working for a AAA. And there's lots of pressure and lots of turnaround in there. So that's part of the fact that the ambience, see, in a team is not necessarily very good because you don't, like in my job, most people are here four years five years. In my previous job, I was there 10 years and some of my colleagues were like 15, 20 years. It's not, apparently, it's not something you will see in developing game team. That's a year, maybe at most, because there's a lot of turnaround. There's a lot of... And from what I understand, I don't have data, so this is something to, to check out. But for a programmer, the gaming industry is not where you actually make the most moolah. You can make much more money on as a private sector still doing coding so that's another thing going into the gaming industry as a programmer you're doing because you have passion of doing video games and it can be and this lady was saying there's a couple of things first of all when you're a programmer you are thinking i'm gonna make the next elder scroll <laughs> not necessarily you can make the next just dance whether you like it if you don't like dancing and your boss say you we are working on Just Dance uh, 2023, uh, you are working on this, whether you like it or not. And that's that's not a six-month project. Huh? <laughs> that's a two, three, four, five years project. Knowing that if you're going there and you're like, I'm going there because I want to make great video game. Unless you're indie, you don't choose the one you work on. Or at least I don't think. And I'd love to have someone who actually worked in one of these teams to tell me, is that true? Is that how it works? From my, from my understanding, is how it works. When you, when we say that gaming industry is toxic, of course, it's the same everywhere. It's not the industry which is toxic. It's some of the companies in there which don't have the best working environment. Definitely, some companies will do things right. Some do things wrong. And you need maybe before you start you know, doing your CV, maybe check which company you are going into. For instance, if you want to go to Ubisoft Canada, Montreal, read a few papers first. Or, or put a helmet and know that uh, for a few years, it's going to be tough. It can be tough. Because you, you read a lot of articles about programmers going into depression because the job is just too tough. You don't have family life. And imagine, and of course it happens a lot, because as you said, the gaming community, especially if you think of a community like League of Legends, is not really forgiving. So you work five years of your life on a game. You crush, you have lots of, you, you make lots of sacrifices just to have a... All right, we need to keep that's, going. That's, okay, so just if you go into the industry, you have to know, you know what you're getting into. And I'm not saying this to depress you. If it's your dream, go for it. Just 
like everything, read a bit before, inform yourself, and then take you know an, uh, a decision. Just don't go, I love video games, I'm gonna do that. That's a lofty goal, but you know, think of it first. That's my take on it, and I know I'm talking too much. Sorry, Queen. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I, I am back in the show, so we're gonna try and keep monologues down to four minutes per person. No. All right. Antoine's made a, a lot of very good points, and I think it's. But I think, what do you guys think about this? But like, we're older. Is the fact is that a lot of kids, especially Antoine, has kids. Adam has taught thousands of kids in the last almost decade and a half. So it's not necessary, right? Somebody can, like Antoine's son, could become a programmer for five years and make games, and he could just change after that. Is it so net? Is it so bad that kids would want to be game devs and then maybe they realize it and then change? Is that a bad thing? Antoine, as a father, if, if your son became a programmer and a game dev for five years and then changed industries, would that make you unhappy or worried or stressed out? And Adam, as, as an uncle as well, you have nieces and nephews. And how do you that, feel? That, that's what is used for. When I started, I started in banking. I realized I hated it and that's why I changed. And... I'm very happy in my current job. You have to try things out. Again, you need to get experience. And I don't know how it works, but if you arrive in a private company for developing whatever program, I don't know. But And on your CV, you have five years of Ubisoft Montreal. This guy is like going to be, hey, he went, through the, he went through the battlefield. This guy must have a, <laughs> a lot of I'm going to hire him. I don't know. Maybe that could be an advantage. You say, the guy know what it is to have crunch time and uh, tough competition and stuff like this. Maybe it's very good for his future career. So why not? That must be a, certainly a good thing. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Adam, you are maybe closer to this uh, industry than me. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it, that's part of the reason why I became a... Or that's part of the reason why I studied computer science is because I always wanted to make video games. That was always the goal. That was the idea. But like I said, my professors were always telling us, if you any tech industry kind of thing you're going to be doing that but i think also too when people think about making games they're always thinking like i'm going to be the director and you're not you're going to be the programmer you're going to be the little grunt worker the little sweatshop guy and and you're going to have to work your way up but one thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is if you're doing like an indie thing that's fine like the guy who does i, I don't know his name but the one who does uh Star, Stardew Valley. Eric Barone. Okay, or uh, Mojang, the guy who did uh, Minecraft. If you're doing your own project, you can do whatever you want. But if you're looking at these big AAA studios, say uh, Nintendo or Sony or, or Square, Miyazaki is still at Nintendo, and he's the guy who created Mario. That was back in, what, the late 80s, early 90s? This guy's been doing it for 30, 40 years, and he's still in the same position. You're not getting that position. You know what I mean? Just to, because these guys got in on the ground floor and they don't want to give up their positions basically as long as they're alive. If you look at Final Fantasy, most of the Final Fantasy games are still directed by the same guys that were there directing Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII in the mid 90s. And it's 25 years later. And nobody else has risen, or very few people have risen to that position. I think Yoshi P from Pharmacy 14 is a newer face. But the odds of getting to that position are really unlikely. Not even just because, even if you say I work hard, it's just because somebody else has to give up their position for you to take it. Otherwise, you have to create a position and, and do an indie studio. So I think for most people, if they want to do game development, it, it's better to do an indie thing. For a couple of reasons. One, you can design it the way you want it. Two, you can do it on your own time and you can have another job at the same time. It's going to take longer to get your stuff out there, but you're going to be a lot happier for it. You're going to have a lot more fun with it. And yeah, you, you don't, and like Antoine said, there's a lot of turnover because people just burn out all the beta testing I've heard is just awful because people think, oh, it's fun. I get to play video games. And it's like, no, there, there's a rock and you need to jump on this rock 50 different ways from every possible <laughs> angle. So you have to like slide, jump into the rock, slide into the rock, jump and then slide on the rock and then rotate 20, you know, 15 degrees, try again. And it's just supposed to be mind numbing. And then you have to keep very detailed notes on everything that happens. So I've heard it's 
really hard and with these bigger games there's just more going on so it's just going to be more tedious than it was in like mario because mario is like jump did you jump great it worked that doesn't fly anymore which is why games come out really buggy now like, there's just so many things that can go wrong that couldn't have gone wrong before but I think now, at least with my students, I've seen a shift where people don't want to make games anymore. Or at least most of the kids don't want to make games anymore. They want to be esports gamers. Mm -hmm. They want to play games and make money playing games. So it used to be like in my generation, the idea was I want to make games. I knew a lot of people that wanted to make games. And now when I look at kids, I'm like, oh, would you like to make a game? They're like, no, no, no I want to play them. So they would rather be like an esports person. So I think that's taken over the dream of creating but i still think a lot of people do want to create but yeah i would recommend maybe starting with small projects and stuff like that yeah okay that's a very good point my kid keep saying i want to be a youtuber and as a parent i can tell you that it's very tough because i see lots of kids youtuber on it and i'm thinking how for the parents it must either be extremely rigorous because that's cool and they have to be concentrated at school if they don't want to fail because you can't base your whole future on being a YouTuber at 10. <laughs> of course not. So he's the richest I, I, YouTuber, uh, a kid, like he's 13 years old. He does all those. But that's, yeah, I know, but that's maybe uh, one in a million kid doing this. So of course it's good to leave them a chance. But at this moment, I didn't let him because I'm just too stressed that he start doing this and completely give up on school and i'm like no no you can do it if you want but first you get your degree i'm really old-fashioned like at least if it doesn't work you have something you can rebound on i think for kids too there's a level of maturity that has to be taken into account because like for instance we, we did this and we've been doing it for over a year and we still don't have that many subscribers and most of them do come from phil for a kid they see YouTube and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to become this next thing. And if they're doing it for, if they're able to hold on for two months, which I think most kids would probably lose interest in by that True, point. But if they were even able to, and they're not getting the things that could be, that could be very depressing for, for some children. If they're not mature enough to be able to understand, like the odds were always against you. Like they just think like I'll be success. And they, they focus so much on how successful they're going to be. They don't realize the odds and and what, just and what they don't realize as well is that i am very sorry but usually i hate the videos my kids watch it's just not my generation okay that's stupid but fair enough he likes it and he want to do the same okay but even if what he did is stupid do you realize that behind this very stupid vi uh, silly video there might be one two three hours of editing and putting the different sound background making sure that the music he used is not claimed by DMCA or whatever, blah, 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 that he timed this joke to have this sound effect here. Before doing any video, you need to learn editing. You're 10. I'm not doing, gonna do it for you. You wanna try. In a week, you're gonna be, ah, no, I don't like it. That's also the, a, a reason. But in a way, isn't that kind of a reason to let them try? Like, when we were really small, my dad might have a beer with dinner or something like that. And he doesn't want us to drink. So when we're really young, he's like, here, you want to try it? And we're like, okay. And we try it. And we're like, oh, this tastes disgusting. I never want to drink beer again. So then it turns us off to it. Wouldn't that be a thing where it's like, hey, you know what? Give it a try. And then when they try of it, and they're like, course. I don't like this. And it's okay. You don't like it. Let's Except, go back to something else. Gonna, uh, a beer doesn't worse. You know, the whole gear with microphone and everything. And I'm not letting him use my computer. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, if I'm buying $2,000 worth of like uh, gear, oh, you better be a YouTuber for more than a week. <laughs> I'm going to be behind you. <laughs> so that's why he's not on the Internet yet. And uh, he might not be for quite a while. He has a, an iPad or something, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, compulsory because of COVID and everything. Every kid needs to have a, a tablet to do Teams uh, stuff. But they must have some sort of editing software for tablets. For I stuff. have I have no idea about this. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you can do your and record your video on on a tablet. That Just could be give possible. Them a taste of it. Yeah, sure. You're a teacher. Can you teach my kids? <laughs> I don't have the patience for it. I have to learn it myself first. Yeah, that's one thing that my mom always said too. She used to teach piano, and then when I 
when she wanted me to learn piano, she sent me to another teacher. And I was like, you teach piano. Why don't you just teach me? And she's like, teaching your own kids is different. It's oh, not the same. Right? It's like what you do for Melinda's kid, what uh, yeah. we did for Phoebe's kids as well, right? It's no no teacher teaches their own kids. That's like the rule. <laughs> All right, guys. So we we know where game development came from, right? For us, where do you think game development is going um, in the next five to 10 years? Uh, bigger, smaller, India is going to survive, AAA is going to die. All right, Adam first. I don't think AAA is going anywhere. I think those will always be around. As far as indie, I think part of the reason that we've been seeing so much more indie games, part of that's the internet. Distribution is so much easier for indie games than it was in the past, right? Because in the past, you had to manufacture cartridges and stuff like that. But also, I think part of it is just the tools that we have now are, are just make it so much easier for people to develop. We have things like Unity, which is free. Uh, to use and you just have to maybe pay some licensing fees if you ever release something but if you're just doing stuff for fun you can have it entirely for free but i think as these tools get better the whole point of a programming language itself java c plus all that is basically an interface between a human telling a computer what to do and i've seen things like block programming is just which is how they teach young children how to program and it makes programming so much easier and I've done little games and stuff with block programming, and it's just super simple. But I think as things like Alexa and AI and stuff like that evolve, I don't think this is in the near future, but I'm saying probably at some point in our lifetime, it's going to start getting to the point where programming is basically literally telling a computer what you want it to do, and it's going to be able to do most of it for you. So I, I think that'll be definitely something that we'll see in our lifetimes, not in the near future. But I do think it's it, development's just going to continue to get easier and easier uh, especially as we get better tools for things especially now because you have uh what's it called? where people are sharing assets so you can go on something like unity and they have the asset oh, store it's oh god i don't know maybe antoine knows i don't remember what it's called but they have an asset store now it's not even just epic has that store it's just it's literally yeah. called a game asset store and it's... i think that makes things really cool because it's one of those things too before where maybe i want to make a game and i know programming but i'm not that good at art but i can put i can just get art off of these asset stores and if i'm an artist and i'm like ah programming algorithms that's just way above my head but i can create models and so i think you're going to see a lot more stuff like that where people are collaborating where they're not directly working together but collaborating and sharing ideas across where it's easier to build games in such a way that's the idea behind core right and yep. to an extent roblox where you're trying to create these we're creating assets for you and then giving you tools to use these assets and the fact that things like that especially say roblox is geared towards children the programming is still pretty advanced I mean, this is still stuff that most Adults probably are programming most of these things because these are hobbyists. But the fact that that exists, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that sort of thing in the future. So. What do you think, Antoine? Future. Future. First of all, Roblox, if you don't know, is on the stock market as one of the next four, I think, leaders of the metaverse for whatever it means. <clears throat> so I think that take 20 years ago and you had Nintendo and Sega and whatever fighting with, with AAAs. I don't think indie really even exists at the time. Why do we have indie now? Because AAAs, unless it's Horizon or something very fresh and interesting, they are like Marvel movies. It's fast food. It's You play it, but it's interesting that you want to play it, but it's just you know not that good. Far Cry 6. You play it, you, you know the gameplay, but you finish the game like pff, a week later, you forgot it. That's how it is. And you have your indie games, which are your breath of fresh air. It's, there's not much money into it, but the idea of the gameplay is something which makes you feel that's fantastic. So that's one thing. But now, uh, and I read something about it, the issue is that AAAs, especially on the newer machines, the budget especially CGI and things like this, the budget are going through the roof. So they want to take even less and less risk because the cost of making a game is, is increasing, always increasing, but 
we and I still think that uh, $80 is quite expensive for a game, but the price is $80, and that's how it is for all platforms nearly. So this is not increasing. So that's uh, an issue that big company or big AAA editors will face. They will always be here. That I agree with you. That they will definitely face some kind of financial trouble or deadlock at this point, and they may need to find another cash flow machine. And this cash cow would, for me, be in the form of mobile game. I don't know how hard it is to program a mobile game, but I'm sure you don't need a team of 500 to create a mobile game. I don't know who created Candy Crush. I don't think it took that many people. And this game are zero dollar, literally. And you do, uh, I don't know, you, you do whatever mobile game and put crappy ad on Facebook and uh, tens of thousands of people download it. I hate mobile game ad on Facebook. You have no idea. And it keeps popping up. And so for me, the future would be this kind of model, which is easy to make, free, and attract people because it's free. And then once they are inside, try to attract the whale to spend money onto it. More DLC, more additional content, more buy more because the main stuff is expensive and we're not making money out of it. We need all the sides, the side wardrobe or whatever to to make money. Yeah, future for me is much more mobile game and uh, the, the financial way a mobile game is is done. I think that would be more interesting for developers at the moment. That's what I think. But yeah, you tell me. All right. So let's do some. Quick questions. All right, if you were a game dev, we'll go Antoine first. So Antoine, if you were a game dev, what, what is your dream game you'd like to make? Indie game, such things with a fantastic story which gets you addicted from start to finish. A simple gameplay, Slime Rancher, something relaxed, but you know, like a post simple, maybe a crafting game, base building, this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. But simple and relaxing gameplay. Adam, what about you? What would be the Adam Gray dream game you'd like to create if you were the game designing genius? I've always wanted to create an SRPG kind of in the vein of Final Fantasy Tactics. I loved Final Fantasy Tactics so much and just that style of gameplay. And, it, and to me, it always seemed like that would be a relatively easy, easier game to create just because you don't have to worry about so many things like collision detection and some of these more complicated things that you need in an action-oriented game. So yeah, I've always wanted to do a... Back when I was in college, I would even try to put together some stuff. Uh, yeah, some strategy RPG or... Uh, I've always been surprised that there aren't too many games that follow the Super Smash formula, so I've always wanted to create a game that follows that formula as well. All right, Adam, uh, back to you first. What's your favorite game development studio and why? Favorite is probably Square Enix. I've been following them way back. God, I should have asked this question. Yeah, that, that was probably a pretty easy one. But they just—it's not even just Final Fantasy. They have so many other games. I'm really looking forward to Forspoken. That's Square Enix as well. I really enjoyed Bushido Blade back in the day. That was Square Enix. But I really like them. I really like a lot of the PlayStation developers as well. Sucker Punch, Naughty Dog, and especially Sucker Punch and. Sucker Punch is really good. I, I think, was it Sucker Punch or was it Naughty Dog that did the infamous games? I think that was Sucker Punch, right? Sucker Punch. Yeah. So I really like Sucker Punch and Gorilla. Um, Gorilla is the one that did Killzone and Horizon and Sucker Punch did in Infamous and Ghost of Tsushima. So I really like those two studios. And I miss Studio Japan. They don't make games. They, they, they disbanded, but they were great too. Anton, what about you? Favorite I will add to this list to Take Two, which uh, Borderlands, right? Borderlands is Gearbox, right? Yes. Ge Gearbox and Take Two, isn't it? Take Two is the publisher. Ah, okay. Yeah. And can't remember the guys who made Bioshock. 2K Games. 2K, sorry, not Take Two, 2K. <laughs> sorry. Isn't 2K uh, Borderlands as well? Adam's right. It's Gearbox Publishing for Borderlands. Anyway, so yeah, these. Z <laughs> okay, very cool. Oh God, I forgot what, what is it. Uh, for me, 
Oh god, going back to the original days, the, the studio that got me into gaming was Westwood Studios. Uh, Command and Conquer, 1995, when I went overseas for the first time, I bought it from Virgin Studios in London, came back, I played it for 24 hours in a weekend, finished the game. Oh my god, this is awesome. It's when I developed the sense of megalomania, where I wanted to take over the world and kill everybody. A good dream. It is. <laughs> yeah, I use right. it, but uh, they fall under the wayside. Oh yeah, you're right. Fun boy. <laughs> okay, oh, uh, guys a studio to make that they haven't made yet. As in, gosh, Ratchet and Clank version six or uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden East. It's coming, it's coming, don't worry. Oh, Elder Scrolls six, GTA six. <laughs> uh, no, Elder, uh, a good Fallout. A Fallout five, but a good one. Fallout four um, was awesome. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, um, I know. And for now, I have always been disappointed mostly by, ah, what's the name? Game, the game works. Warhammer 40k Sega. I always found oh, it. a good Dawn of War as opposed to Dawn of War 3. West. Game which finally gives uh, Astartes, you know, like Space Marines, the respect they deserve because they are good. Like books about them or tabletop games. These are fantastic universe, and I feel that the games don't really reflect how grandiose, fantastic this universe is. And yeah, or Warhammer, like a Total War, Warhammer 40k, after the fantasy. Oh, that I'd love. Nice. That's so cool. All right, Adam, what about you? Uh, I'd love a new Bushido Blade, but if I had to pick one to prioritize, it would probably be Dragon's Dogma 2. Hmm. I would love a new Dragon's Dogma. I tried Still it waiting. on the screen. It's just way too complicated. You just climb up on stuff and just smash into it. It's like so many buttons and so many menus and stuff. It like really reminds me of how simpler games have become and how complicated games used to be back in the day. It's just PS3. <laughs> what, what happened to this franchise, by the way? It was a hit, if I recall. Dragon's it, I think it had a slow burn. So I think it developed a pretty big <laughs> okay. cult following, but didn't hit it off right away. But then it had a resurgence when they came out with uh, Dark Arisen on the PS4. In the Xbox, but there was talk. There was talks about from Capcom. From what I heard, they had a choice after Monster Hunter to do a new Dragon's Dogma or to do a new Devil May Cry, and it was between those two. And they ended up going with Devil May Cry. Ah, and geez. after Devil May Cry, supposedly, hopefully, they'll do Dragon's Dogma. But they had to prioritize which one to focus on first. Nice. Big franchise, easy money. Because Devil May Cry 5 already came out, so they might be working yeah. on it right now. I don't know. But yeah, yeah it already came out. Yeah. I'm not sure if he made a lot of money, actually. Probably made a fair amount. Yeah, unfortunately, Dragon Dogma, Dragon's Dogma Online is no longer a thing, and it was never released in the West, so that was very disappointing. Hey, quick question from me, actually, for once. What do you think, like, developers usually they count a lot on E3, and because of bloody COVID, you know, there hasn't been any E3 for two years or like the online one, which is not a mockery, but you can't compare to the, to the big show. So do you think it affected them a lot? You know, the game studios and developers? I don't think so. Because now, because there's no E3, but there's still a lot of... Sony's been doing all their own online things now. And plus with streaming now, I think most people... Even mm -hmm. back in the days, I think most most people don't go to E3. Most people hear about what's happening at E3 after the fact in back in the day in magazines or watching the YouTube videos or whatever. So I think now I don't think it's affected them at all, especially because a lot of times like Xbox and PlayStation and, and Nintendo Direct, they'll announce we're having an event. It'll be online. So everybody knows when to look for these things. So I don't think having no E3 has really affected them in that regard. Yeah, everybody's waiting for Bethesda conference to see them say sorry about that last game. All right, guys. What are the plans, gaming plans for the next week between Wednesday and Wednesday? You want to go first, Antoine? Or? Forbidden West, uh, Forbidden West. Uh, <laughs> and a bit more Forbidden West, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Will you finish it between now and next week? I, I don't know how long that game no way, I have at least another month. I was able to play a lot more last week because it was kids' holiday. 
So I could, I didn't have to uh, wake up at six to bring them to school or uh, at night I could just let them, you know, go to your bedroom and sleep before 10, but that's it. And I didn't really check. Now it's <laughs> quite different. <laughs> so it's not the same. Okay. What about you, Adam? It'll be mostly Horizon Forbidden West, uh, though Monday I am going to stream Final Fantasy 15 because I promised I would do the story and I am going to stick to that promise. So I, until that is done, I will continue to do that every Monday. And then when I meet with my friends online, we tend to typically play Apex. So it's going to be those three games, Horizon on my own time and Wednesday, Friday, Final Fantasy 14, Monday. And whenever my friends are online, it'll be Apex. How's Apex going with your friends? Oh, okay. We don't play uh, ranked or anything like that. Okay. It's because yeah. you're not playing with Crean and myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we were playing, we could do ranked. Yes. Easily. Yeah. We've gotten first Which a couple times, against... but it's very rare. <laughs> and it's 100% luck. It's so good. No. Yeah, it's like us and two other teams, and the two other teams, one dies, and the other one picks off two of the last two guys, so it's three of us versus one of them. And then we can sometimes, there's a 50% chance we'll get it at that point. You end up being one of those TikTok YouTube short highlights where it's three versus one and the one guy kills everybody. Yeah, exactly. We would be the other side of that video. Yeah, you do the fail video. We exactly. got wiped out by one guy. That is something I've always wanted to do. I've been <clears throat> working on an intro for it, but Phil one time suggested with uh, Ghost of Bottom 5, everyone does a top five. So he's like, oh, you could do like a bottom five. And I've always wanted to do like bottom five videos. Where, like, these are the five worst things to do in this game. So at some point, but, but I want to make a nice new intro specifically for that. So I'm going to do an intro first. And then once I have an intro, I can start making my bottom five videos. Nice. I got to check out TikTok to see how last week's clip did, because I'm going to figure out where I can clip today and uh, put that on our TikTok. Now that we have a regularly, once a weekly upload, updated TikTok. We do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uploaded last week and I'll, I'll cut another 60 seconds for this week for for YouTube as well. Did you see TikTok is going to do 10 minutes video to step on the YouTube? Oh, already done. You, you, we can actually upload 10 minute clips onto TikTok now, but. Absolutely. Uh, Which is completely counterintuitive. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I've, I have longer videos on my company's TikTok and those, they suck. It's not like the, the 60 second, the shorter ones, they still have a thousand views, 900, 800 views per, per video. It's, yeah. But for me, I am going to be. So I'll be playing uh, Wasteland 3. Sunday, I will play Deep Rock Galactic with my brothers. And next week, Division with Hans. And that is it for me until I finish Wasteland. And then after Wasteland, I'm going to go back to Slam Ranch and finish that before Slam Ranch 2 comes out. Probably. Yes. Are you going to stream some of these? or Because I understand that uh, Adam is streaming Final Fantasy and Horizon. And uh, uh, sometimes, I don't know if you plan to do a bit more season three of Lord of the Ring, but it might have been finished already. I don't know. I've looked at our, our Discord chat. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I want to get back to streaming as well, but I, that might be a closer opportunity for me, depending how the next one month or two months works. Cool. Cool. Any ideas for next week, gents? We, we had a theme originally, and then we changed it, so we can just go back to that. What was the original oh. theme? I don't know. Oh God! Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking maybe I never, I uh, don't, I'm not a big fan of the genre, but maybe a tactics special, ogre tactic or fire emblem. Or I know that Adam really likes his final for the tactics, like and uh, and Korean yeah. likes uh, XCOM like, and XCOM likes our our tactics really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, we could do that. My idea was we could do a 100% news episode. We could go through like a 10, 15 gaming news stories, and make that an episode. If there is. There, there is uh, so many stories going on. There's gaming industry is full of news that never keeps giving or never stops giving, I should say. Our, okay. our old theme was going to be why repetition is good. Oh, yes. Jesus. Oh, I forgot about repetition? that. Repetition? Yes. Yeah. The grind is real. The grind is real. Yes. <sighs> yes. I do love that. Yeah, well, the grind is real. Of course, Elden Ring is out. Oh, yeah. That's Bring true. Out the grind. Yeah, I've heard people saying that the first boss is way too hard, and then they'll go somewhere else and they'll just do whatever. And when they come back, they can one. So let's put Adam on the spot since Antoine chose this week. All right, Mr. Gray, you choose. Grind oh, one. Okay. We can do the, okay. the repetition oh. one. I think that'll work well. Cool. Okay, then the grind is real for next week. You heard it straight from Adam's mouth. From moi. From 
I don't know what is the opposite of that. The opposite of the mouth would be the other side, and not the the other side. What is what is the opposite of moi? You? I don't know. Yeah. So what what is you? Toi. Toi. Oh, moi. Yes. What are you talking about? French is hard. As opposed to me, you. It's not me, ye. Oh no, wait. You did used to be me, ye. Never mind. In Texas. Why did English have to get so complicated? Yes. All right. Let me round it up. So let me remind you guys. So we have an active tick. Please subscribe to that. We are on. I check Discord. I'm basically yeah. I'm on Discord seven days a week now, and whenever there's a notification on our channel, all right, I will see it because that is my job. Please send us an email as well. Please tweet at us. I'm. I will check Twitter at least once a week. Instagram as well. So our stuff goes on Instagram, goes on TikTok, goes on YouTube Shorts. Don't don't think I'll be uploading longer videos just yet. But yep. Please subscribe, share, like. We are now on TuneIn as well. So you're a TuneIn premium subscriber like I am. And you can get us on TuneIn. Don't forget, you can also ask your ALEXA device to play our streams. Just say, hey, that name. And she will play the latest episode of that on your smart device. Google is the same. What is the other one? Apple HomeKit, HomePod is the same as well. Uh, Siri, oh, that's what it's called. Okay, so yeah, every thanks for device which listen to your conversation at home. That's yeah, I was okay. wondering why he spelled it, and I was like, oh, he doesn't want it to know that he's talking. <laughs> because it's literally right next to me and looks at me 24 hours a day. 20, the 2021 Space Odyssey. It's hell. If I have to sacrifice my privacy for a hell, I'll do it right now. I want AI gods to take over. I know Adam disagrees, and so do you, but you have troubles. <laughs> I want to be their god. Just less like in Warhammer, right? The machine got. Yes. Yeah, and look how Never that turned out. any issues. No. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. Thank you to Adam for always doing hosting, uploading, doing his artsy, cool stuff that I wish I had skills for. And uh, Antoine for staying up late at night. All right, we will see you guys next week for The Grind is Real. Bye-bye. That's all we have time for, folks. Please don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, and share on social media. We are trying to build the best possible community out there. We want to create a home for people just like you. You can find Middle Age Gaming on YouTube, Twitter, Discord, Gmail, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in to Adam and Phil's stream to have a chat with them. See you later!